It's time for Larry No Spots. Featuring the co-host with the co-host, John Blue. Tonight's special guest, editor-in-chief of the Strickland's guest. He's cool. He's hip. He's a smooth jazz cat. He is Frankie Smokes. And I'm your host, Larry January 14th, 6.09 p.m. Thank you, everybody, for joining the program as we talk about the toast of the town, the New York Knicks, who just a week ago were on pace to win the NBA championship and now have gone a little bit down to earth with their record. But besides just their record, uh, the story for them, I think has been the amazing play of Julius Randle, who, you know, was kind of had a contract that seems like kind of an albatross, and now he's averaging like close, like I mean, definitely all-star numbers, close to MVP numbers. He's 22.8 points per game, 10.8 rebounds, 6.8 assists, all career highs. Um, Alex, do you I mean, what do you what do you what do you make of this? Is this like a real thing is he is he a new player or is it just a hot streak you're muted it sounds like or is everybody muted oh you know what i was muting the people coming from the computer <laughs> go ahead <laughs> <laughs> well then all right um yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I necessarily say that Randall's a new player uh, so much as just has a new coach. Uh, I think we saw glimpses of this guy mm-hmm. under Mike Miller last year, but I think that he had to unlearn a lot of David Fisdale stuff, unfortunately. Um, but I, it seems sustainable. You know, there's nothing about his level of play other than maybe potentially getting fatigued later on by the high minute load that really makes me think that any of this isn't sustainable. Um, he seems to find his spots, you know, and we've seen a couple games already where the scoring wasn't quite there as much and he's willing to put it aside, you know, not, not be chasing his points like he would in previous years or like last year, I guess I should say specifically, um, you know, so he's willing to just get into more of a distributor role. Then he's defending hard. I mean, he, he did whatever he could against Kevin Durant last night. He's done that against a number of different guys already this year. Pretty good one-on-one defender. Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't think there's anything about this that's unsustainable at this point. It's not like he's the the part that was unsustainable is the part that's already fallen back to earth, which is the three-point shooting. Mm-hmm. Uh, right at the beginning, you know, he shot like sixty-seven percent over the first like six games or something from three, which we knew was never going to last, but. Other than that, everything else just seems like it's stuff that he can do every single night. Um, it just depends on how his teammates are, you know, as far as how those assist numbers do. You know, can RJ start hitting open threes? Can they put someone out there other than Alfred Payton that commands <laughs> even the smallest bit of respect? Um, you know, stuff like that. There's all kinds of stuff to consider. But Randall himself, I think, can keep this going. And if he does, yeah, he would definitely deserve to be an all-star this year. Yeah, I mean, he would be an all-star like up till now. Um, yeah, the three point percentage is back down to like 340. Um, that seems about what he can do. He still takes a lot that was of those. about what he shot his best year in New Orleans for what it's worth. So I okay. think he could ma- maintain that probably. He maintain that. Yeah, he still takes a lot of like the long twos, the kind of pull ups. I mean, not as much. He's, the passing seems like the real new thing. 
But his shot um, selection, I don't know. It still seems the same. Um, but he's hitting them, so you can't really complain. Um, Frankie, mm. how would you describe Julius Randle in musical terms? I'd call him a big treble clef. <laughs> because he's treble down in the post. Oh, <laughs> good, mm. yeah. You know, I, w- I thought you would have gone with bass clef. Mm. He's just—he's got a good base. I don't know. He's a big oh. man. <laughs> I'm like you, Larry. I'm not all about that base. Yeah. Well, <laughs> me and Hubie Brown are always all about that base. I don't know. I remember once Hubie Brown, more than once, announcing a game. He's like, "You see this guy? He's got a—he's got a big butt, and that's what you want from your power forward." So. Bill Jackson, Kurt Rambis definitely would agree with you too. Yeah. Yeah. It's—it's it's a whole school of thought. Kurt Ram is great asses daily. Don't forget about that. <laughs> Wait, what is that? You don't remember that? I don't remember this. There was a uh, Kurt Rambis has a Twitter, and when he was with the Knicks, uh, he got uh, caught liking some uh, posts from an account called Great Asses Daily on Twitter. <laughs> um, and people took some screenshots and stuff of his likes and were like, oh, Kurt Rambis really into big asses. Uh, you yeah. know, it came on the heels of Phil Jackson being like, talking that up as a qualification for who to draft in actually the Porzingis draft, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh, Cause they were really into Julio Okafor and his big butt. Mm-hmm. Um, and then didn't get the chance to get him and wound up taking Porzingis, which in some ways worked out better for the team anyway. Uh, yeah. At least they got a good trade package for him. They would have just let Okafor walk for nothing probably. So yeah. yeah, worked out, worked out pretty good. Their love of great asses daily, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it was a meme for a little bit. Yeah. Well, Kurt Rambis now has a lot of time to, to check whatever Twitter accounts he wants. Yeah, and I yeah. mean, even the Pope likes those great asses, <laughs> if you all remember that scandal. So if it's good enough for the Pope, it's got to be good enough for Kurt Rambis. You know, I don't remember this scandal. <laughs> the Pope's Instagram, they screenshotted it, and he was liking this lady's ass photo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a good thing he didn't comment, because who knows what the Pope would say. <laughs> What was this ass? <laughs> yeah. Simple. Simple and very papal. Mm-hmm. Um so so Randall uh back to Randall. Um he I mean it has certainly increased his trade value. Like what do you see? I don't know. John, do you think the Knicks should like keep Randall or say sell high on this on this what might be real, but still sell because they can. Well, I guess it just it depends on where they want to go with this, and I guess it depends on how Obi Toppin fits in with everything. I'm always a big proponent in selling high mm-hmm. because, like, you just you just don't know if um, I don't know. It's 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 a crazy league, and if you can get real assets in return, especially because the Knicks aren't going to win a championship in the next two years or so if they can get some stuff that's going to be a little better not that randall's old but um nah, he's, you know, he's, he's getting up there it's like 26 yeah i mean <laughs> he's and i don't know he's had some injuries and i just don't i don't know like where he's going to be long term i would if he if he was good for um longer i would i would sell if there was a good package yeah, yeah. but i'm i'm like that i'm i'm like daryl Morey. i'm just cold-blooded so. yeah 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 yeah, well, f- felines are warm-blooded, so for me and Frankie are warm-blooded. Yeah, yeah, but um, I think I would sell high too. Like, I just, I, d- I, I know there's now talk about because his, if he's keeping up this play, his contract next year for about twenty million dollars no longer looks bad. It looks like a pretty good deal. Um, but I'm in the camp of like the Knicks are not competing this year. Let's we could f- we could get a first for him, I believe, uh, and let's do that. I don't know, Alex, do, what do you think? Yeah, I for for as little as just like a single first round pick, I wouldn't do it. Really, uh, unless it was like a guaranteed lottery pick or something. Like if like uh, I don't know, what's the team that's really bad so far this year that we expected would be bad? Pistons, yeah. right? Aren't the Pistons pretty bad? Yeah, I don't know if the if the Pistons or something came up to the Knicks and were like, "We'll give you our first round pick this year, unprotected." Then I'd be like, "Okay, yeah." You know, that's obviously you can't turn that down. But if it was like, I don't know the. <sighs> 
trying to think of a team that's sort of on the edge of contention. Maybe like Charlotte. Charlotte, yeah. Maybe like Charlotte or, or more a contender. Or, uh, uh, Dallas, whatever. Or like Toronto, a team that like Toronto, maybe something like that. Yeah, if some team like that comes up to you and is like, "I'll give you a first round pick," you know, like my own for Randall, I wouldn't take it at this point. You know, mm. I think, I think there's he's worth more than that. You know, like what do you, what are we even doing if? from a team building perspective, you know, we've been holding out for this like star for so long and now Randall looks like one. And then, you know, to just move him just for the sake of moving him, I think is counterproductive. Like it's literally like, what are you moving him for? For like a, like a one out of, I don't know, let's, I don't know how you would extrapolate the odds. But let's just say it ends up the number five pick or something. You look at, okay, if you end up with a number five pick, what are the odds that, that number five pick is going to turn into someone even as good as Julius Randle. And, you know, that's the whole point of this whole thing is like through the draft and free agency, you're trying to find the guy that nobody else was looking at at the time. And they managed to get that in Randall for once, you know, they got a guy in free agency that they now have on a cheaper contract than what he's actually worth based off his production. So of course this is all assuming like he keeps this level of play up through the trade deadline. Right. If and he keeps I- it up. I th- yeah, go ahead. I think that's where I come in on this is like, I don't think this, I don't think this is the Randall. Like, I think I'm looking at the years before and I'm like, that's Randall. If this is Randall, I would not trade this guy. If this is who he's going to be for the next five years, I would not trade him for a f- number five pick. Well, so this, this version of Randall is sort of like the version that was in new Orleans as far from an efficiency perspective um he's just passing more like he's being empowered to do a little more but I mean he's always been a good passing big I don't have his numbers right up in front of me but I could probably pull them up very quickly here um but he's always kind of been a guy that you could you could count on to pass the ball out of the out of the four spot so let's see here he averaged this year is obviously an anomaly with just how much he's averaging but I mean in that career year with New Orleans he averaged 21 and a half points uh, nine rebounds, three assists, shot 52% from the field, 34% from three, and 73% from the line on seven attempts per game this year. So far, 23 points, 11 rebounds, seven assists. That's obviously a little bit of an outlier, but that's to set the assist part of his game has been the most sustainable part, I think, to this point. Uh, then shooting 50% overall, 34% from three, 78% from the line this year. So, I mean, not you know he's a little below the efficiency numbers of those years but with more offensive responsibility but i just don't see a world where he would fall off to such a degree that he would be worth you know too much less than what he's worth right now and right now it would probably take at least a couple firsts and maybe like a young player for me to get him out of here and i i don't know if i see a team in the league that would be willing to do that but that's also just sort of like a I don't know. It just seems like a weird move to me. Like he's happy here. Mm. He's playing well under Tibbs. There's no dissent that we know of, obviously. Uh, Maybe behind the scenes, if he was like privately to Leon Rose was like, Hey, like this sucks. I don't want to be around here. Like I want to play for a contender. Then you would go for it. But if he's happy here and keeps playing like this, I, I wouldn't make him untouchable, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't actively be shopping him. I would wait for some Godfather offer from some team, you know, and yeah, that, that would just be my solution. But again, it's assuming that he holds it. I think, I think realistically, and we're already starting to see it just a little bit um, with the numbers kind of coming back to earth, but like I could see realistically, he'll probably end up at like 20 to 21 points per game. Probably still shooting about the same from the field. Cause he's actually been shooting like below his career average around the rim this year so far, which is weird. Um, might have to do with the fact that he's not running as much pick and roll. So he's meeting more like opposition there, but he's shooting lower from there. So I think his field goal percentage will roughly hold, I think he'll roughly hold it about 33, 34% um, from three. Maybe the rebounds go down to like an even 10, maybe the assists go down to like six, you know, I don't know um, as teams try harder to get the ball out of his hands, but I, there's nothing about the way he's been playing that screamed to me like, big regression is coming like especially now these put together for if we look at it this we're at about the one sixth mark of the season so you know we're, we're already a sixth of the way through it's small sample size in some respects but also big in others i guess 
Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I still... I, I would trade him if we could. Not because I think he's going to... This is not sustainable. I, I just think... For, well, first of all, for the five pick, I would definitely do it. In this draft... Um, and maybe... I, I know what you're saying about the fact that... Like, why do you collect these assets so you could get a player like this? I just think the Knicks timeline is still a few, a, multiple years away. Um, so I would rather get that draft asset... Plus, I don't know, maybe it's just it's flashbacks from last year where I just like just have an emotional like aversion to Julius Randle. But I think a lot of people are still working through that. Yeah, because if you want if you want to talk about like the timeline thing. Yeah. I mean, Randall's 26. Right. He's not that old, you know, like his prime should in theory be from about next year or like this year or next year until like. I don't know, 2024, like most guys prime is from like 26 to 30 roughly. Um, so in theory, he's in like the first year of his prime right now. And he should be able to keep this level of play up for, if it's sustainable, he should be able to keep it up for probably three, four years at least. And then, you know, RJ's 20, Mitch is 22. Obi, who they just drafted is 22 and is going to be 23 soon. So he's technically only three years younger or like three and a half years younger than Randall. Mm -hmm. um, you know, Frank's 22 uh Knox is 21 like I think you know by the time that Randall would maybe be exiting his prime if you lock him up to another contract after this the rest of the team would be like entering their primes or getting close to it in theory so I think there's an argument to be made like if you could put a good product on the floor right now with Randall maybe his play attracts another really good player here and then that sort of ushers in this next era of good Knicks you know or whatever or Maybe some of those guys get traded in a package for some other star or whatever, but I think I think there's a way that you can make this work from a timeline perspective for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, although I mean, although if they were to, they would have to go in for now and build around Randall and trade some of their younger players, maybe for someone like Zach Levine, which who I also don't like, and I don't know. <laughs> I would I wouldn't want to build around Randall, but. That could be my own biases. Like I, I watch the Knicks games, and I'm just I just get sad that Frank's not there when he would be getting playing time. Uh, Frankie, the other mm. Frankie. Um, well, first of all, what would you trade Randall for, or what would be an enticing package to you? I don't know. It sounds like his contract isn't an albatross anymore, and if he doesn't come with a bird, what's he really worth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And birds, yeah, birds are delicious, and they mm. like they eat seeds, right? They eat seeds. I eat them, and then I, with my full belly, I toot them out on the stage. <laughs> would you, would you say that after eating a bird who just ate some seeds, that you have a seedy underbelly mm, and a seedy overbelly? <laughs> yeah. Well, um. Do you have any new songs for us? Any new songs? Yeah. I'm putting yeah. you on the spot here. Hang on. Let me go bang around to get my saxophone. <laughs> Man. Okay. You ready, Larry? I'm ready. <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah. Bill, Bill Cosby-esque. I liked it. Well, hopefully not oh. too Cosby-esque. Just, just in the sound. Just a little. Just a little. Just a little. Um... Yeah, I think that could be a new theme so opening theme song for the Knicks. They haven't had a good one since Go New York, Go New York, Go. Oh my You're not God, a big Robert Randolph fan? No, I mean, I wouldn't say I know much of his work, but it, it doesn't I literally inspire. only know the Friday Night Knicks song. I know oh. nothing else about Robert Randolph. <laughs> oh, I do like the Friday Night Knicks song. I'm thinking about really? like whatever they come out to. The Friday Night Knicks song is... I mean, it's not a good song, but it's kind of hilarious. It, and it's, I think it's it cursed. sticks in your I think head. It's cursed. That's why I don't like it. Yeah. It's a cursed song. I did like there was a video, you know, a year ago or something of uh, the Mandalorian and when Baby Yoda like presses the button on the ship. 
it plays the Friday Night Knicks song. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so... All right. Is there anybody on the team... Because I do, I do see a lot of tradable assets, and you know maybe I'm too much in the mindset of where I was before the season of like we should be sellers at the deadline. But do you see any of these veteran players such as Alec Burks or or um, and others? <laughs> Who else is on this team? Uh, Austin Rivers, as as guys you could move at the deadline. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I. You know, my, my stance on Randall is different from my stance on some of the other guys. I mean, Burks, I think, was almost signed exclusively for the idea of trading him at the deadline to some contender yeah. that needs shooting. And so I would trade him and Harpy. You know, if you get what you got from Marcus Morris for him, like first-round pick and, you know, a second round or two, do it all day. You know, even if it's only if it's only a first round pick or whatever, it, particularly if it's in this draft, go for it, yeah. you know, all day trade Alec like Burks for Lakers, that. Who cares? Um, uh, I guess like Bullock, I would trade for pretty much anything. You know, I, I, I just, it's not that he's a bad dude or anything. Like I think he brings good energy and Tibbs clearly likes him, but I also don't like the players that he's blocking from getting time by yeah. starting and playing like 30 minutes when he does play. Um, Austin Rivers, though, I think is one guy I would probably try to hold on to. Uh, he is a really affordable and really like weirdly team friendly contract that his value this year will probably be the same as next year and the year after in that it, he's signed for three years at about $3 million a year. But the Knicks have options on the second and the third years of his contract. So that's crazy. Yeah, weirdly, they could be like after this season, they could get rid of him or bring him back for three million again, which is quite frankly a steal based off his production so yeah. far, uh, like less than three percent of the salary cap. Um, and then, you know, the year after that same deal could bring him back for three million dollars or not. You know, it's it's a no brainer to keep him, I don't think, unless again, you know, unless you get blown away, like if some teams like we'll give you a, a first rounder in this year's draft and a second rounder or something like, or like two second rounders or something like that. Like that would probably be a price that would make me say, eh, all right. Yeah. I mean, you can have him, but with rivers, there's the other caveat, which is if you trade rivers, you have to expect to not get him back. Eventually, if you trade Burks in theory, the same thing could happen that we talked about with Marcus Morris last year, which is, you know, he could hit free agency this summer and you could just sign him again. If you really like New York and liked playing for Tibbs and Leon Rose and all that stuff, they kind of just send him off with a handshake, be like, you know, we'll have a better team next year. Come back again. We'd love to have you. You know, we'll pay you the same or better next year. And uh, enjoy playing for a contender the rest of the way out this year, you know, which I'm sure he wouldn't say no to. So, yeah, I, I guess we'll see as far as he's concerned. But he's the guy that I would target if I was going to try to trade anybody. And maybe Noel. Um, maybe yeah, to if a team like the Brooklyn him. Nets, quite frankly. Actually, know. they. I was thinking that today because yeah. with Jared Allen gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that might be of interest to them. You know, maybe they give up. Uh, they give don't up have any, any picks, picks to give up. <laughs> yeah, they just kind of blew that all out of the water. So they can't trade a first round pick to like 2027 or something. Um, yeah, they could give us Tyler Johnson. Which, yeah, no thanks. Maybe Landry Shamit I would get out of bed for. That's, yeah. that's not a bad deal. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Yeah, I mean, maybe some seconds, whatever. Um, John, you like Austin Rivers as well? I do. I, you know, he, I feel like he kind of, he's had this weird career arc where he didn't, you know, he, people thought he didn't deserve to be where he was because of his dad and all this stuff and on the Clippers. And I feel like he, he overcame all that. And I think he's a good, I think he's a hard worker. I just, I don't know. I don't think he's great, but I think he's a good guy to have around. And at $3 million, I would take him all day. I oh, and especially yeah. on a young team, like I think his work ethic and stuff is I think it's great. I would keep him for sure. Yeah. And all these team friendly contract like his contract, which is goes for two more years with two team options and and Randall, like you could always trade them next year if you decide to do it. Yeah. Then. So there's no rush to do it. Um yeah. Yeah, I I I would love to see 
the Knicks very active at the trade deadline? I assume they will be because that's kind of how their front office has been um, so far, this new front office. And yeah, uh, Burks, Bullock, both great. <laughs> yep, some great intel there. Um, okay, so before uh, we talk about the rest of the season, Frankie, I want to I want to ask you if you have any more hot licks. Hot licks? Yeah. You want another one? Yeah. Okay, I gotta get this exophone out again. All right. Why did you put it back underneath all the junk again? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I thought the saxophone was already out. <laughs> you have to get a new reed. Uh-huh, <laughs> oh, you're yeah. going into your reed case. Yeah, have to get a reed. The other one got too soaked. <laughs> okay, here we go. Nice. That was smooth. Yeah. I, I got a little of uh, the uh, South Park guy who talks about stealing <laughs> gerbs in that one. And I was like, uh, that was good. Yeah. Mm. If you could call it Ode to My Gerbs. Ode to My Gerbs. <laughs> I guess I would steal a gerbil or two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, don't let don't let Frankie near the pet shop. Um, <laughs> Frankie, can I see this saxophone? Huh? Can I see oh, this? Oh, I dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame. Yeah, I don't want to make you bend over. Pick it up. Um, no, I hate to have to show off my... Less than Rambus worthy ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he's he's not he's not going to watch this live stream. Mm. Um, well, Frank, you do know of Frank Nilakina, right? Who also has been called Frankie Smokes. Yeah, yeah. We talked about him last time. Yeah, <laughs> he's uh, making you poop, in, right? In what? He's making you that sweet poot. He's making me that poot. And since we since you brought him up, I actually uh, I reached out to him. We connected a little bit and uh, we're sort of friends now. Just the other day, he sent me some homemade cream. Really? Cream? Yeah. Frankie smokes baby cream. What kind of cream? That's weird. What? (laughs) It was thick cream. Oh, you mean like milk? I was thinking like like a lotion or something. (laughs) (laughs) No. Like the stuff Barry Bonds used. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like as opposed to the clear. <laughs> well, that's really nice of him because I'm sure you love like you know drinking some some fatty milk. Oh yeah. <laughs> Cream rises to the top. I suck some down and then I hit a high note. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, good luck in like whatever gigs you have coming up. Mm, yep, I will be playing uh, inside that Chase kiosk near Madison Square Garden soon. Yeah. So come check me out. I will. It's out. That's like me kind out. Of out. <laughs> yeah, we'll definitely check me out. Um, speaking about the actual Frank, um, as we kind of alluded to earlier, he's been injured for now like a week and a half. Which is a shame because the Knicks actually could have used him because they've been had a lot of injuries themselves. Um, he is, when he comes back, I worry that he'll be blocked by Austin Rivers and Reggie Bullock and Alec Burks and those guys. Um, I mean, Alex, do you, do you see him getting playing time when he's back? I mean, I hope so. Mm-hmm. I can't say for certain. Um, my hope is that once everybody's healthy again, Tibbs opens up the rotation a little bit because I, the Knicks can't do an eight-man rotation the whole year. He's he's, he's being survive. a little Tibbsy. He's he's playing guys forty minutes. So far, it's been by necessity. <laughs> yeah, and like I can't blame him in games where it's close. Like those games that they won when they were shorthanded, 
you can't blame the guy or yeah. games they were in it you know till the end you can't blame him for playing you know for riding his horses the whole time you know like i don't have a problem with playing julius randall 40 minutes in a win if playing julius randall was the only way to get that win um but you know once you once we reach the point where the the roster's a little more healthy i hope that he starts going into games expecting to have a tighter or you know a, a looser rotation i should say um and also is more amiable to throwing guys out there and just kind of waving the white flag some nights. Like, you know, as fun mm-hmm. as the fake comeback was last night against the Nets, I was kind of like, yeah, but they weren't going to win this game, you know, so why are, why are they playing these guys down the stretch? But even more so than that, that is like down the stretch against Charlotte, you know, it's like, why are you playing these guys? Like, they're not going to win. They, this game's been over for quarters now. You know, why not, why not throw out just – Razdakis and Harper and yeah and Pinson and all those you know bench warmer guys and just just wave the white flag and lose um so those are two things that I hope to see change hopefully Frank is part of those plans for expanding the rotation too yeah because um, he definitely does he does offer a lot of things that this team has been valuing and needing like perimeter defense shooting from the corners um a little bit of distributing ability and he was even hitting like some above the break threes too uh, other than just the corners, but dating all the way back to last year, he shot like 44% or something from the corners last year. Um, and thus far this year, you know, in the few games before he got hurt, he was shooting like 55% from three, which I wouldn't expect to hold up. But if he, if he could get into, you know, even in the Knox territory of, you know, Knox right now is shooting like 43 or 44% from three or something like that. Um, if he could get into, you know, 39% territory from three with everything else he offers, he'd be very valuable to this team. And I would honestly probably just give Bullock's role to him at that point. That would be my plan for Frank, I think. Yeah. I assume Peyton's not going anywhere as far as his role is concerned. I would hope he would go somewhere like to Mars. <laughs> yeah. Maybe, or yeah. bottom of the ocean. I don't know with cinder blocks. I'm yeah. not, I'm not saying anybody should do that, but. I'm not saying people shouldn't either. Right. Just for the record. Right. So. Yeah. And yeah, I guess we should get Elf rid of him. Is yeah. What you're saying. Yep. Now, thumbs down. <laughs> thumbs down on the joke, but not thumbs down on getting rid of him. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. It was a little, yeah, that was a little, a little. Yeah. It was, it was trying, it was forcing uh. it a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's ah god, I was I was I was so pissed when he was signed. Not because he's a terrible player. I mean he is, but like it's just Frank has been just dicked around for like four years and uh I mean maybe he's just not good and that's why none of these coaches want to play him, but I, I don't think so. Obviously a lot of Knicks fans don't think so. But what's what makes it all the more worse is just that he's losing playing time too to scrubs like Alfred Payton, who's like, who's definitely not going to be part of the future. So what's the point of even playing him? Um, but yeah, so I, I hope he's part of the rotation, Frank, when he gets back and he might be, because I'm sure there will be more injuries and COVID hasn't hit the Knicks yet, but it might. So. I think though, to your point, I, I just think Tibbs never coaches for the future. No, like he does not. That's he doesn't even coach for tomorrow. <laughs> he's like he's coaching for tonight. I which I respect. I mean, Tibbs is gonna Tibbs, but yeah. So we'll see. He would. I, I could imagine him losing it if the Knicks did trade Randall. Yeah. Um, uh, Frankie, what do you shoot from the corners? What do I shoot from the corners? Nice. Whoa, C note. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, when I'm wandering the stage, C- I found that's the best place for my C note acoustics. The nice. corners. Well, I, I would love to hear one of these C note acoustics. Well, I would love to play one for you, but I did just drop my sax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Maybe next time you, you'll get it fixed. Mm, yeah, maybe an all C note episode. Of the show, Larry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder what that would be titled. Think about that. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, I guess we'll talk about um, the other team in New York, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, John, what do you think about the Harden deal? Oh, I am overjoyed. Yeah. Like as as a Rockets fan, um, I have I am I'm so excited to root against James Harden. Like this is the moment I've been waiting for for nine years. Um, and so, and, and Houston, the situation that Houston's in right now, the, the owners broke, right. And they weren't going to win anything with Harden. So the only path forward was to get future assets and try and be competitive three or four years down the road, maybe casinos and restaurants bounce back. And he's, you know, Fertitta's got some cash again, and he's willing to spend in the luxury tax in three or four years, but nothing is happening, you know, in the short term. So, except for obviously Christian. And, and so, yeah, I think I, I'm all for it. I thought it was, I thought it was great. I'm sure Oladipo is going to leave at the end of the year if they don't trade him before then. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah, no, they certainly got I, like Forge first is is a big deal. Plus the pick swaps, plus obviously the swaps. Because I and I don't know where those picks are going to be in the next couple of years, but I know where they're going to be <laughs> in four or five years. Yeah, and yep. that's that's going to be awesome. The next, uh, the Nets are going to have to go through trying to find those Spencer Dinwiddies and Jared Allen's again. Mm-hmm. Um, what what what's weird? What was weird to me is I'm surprised Houston preferred Oladipo to Levert. Like, I think Levert's better than Oladipo. I think Levert's better than Oladipo, too. I I, I don't know what was behind that. Um, yeah, unless they think Oladipo can play really well for the next few months and have, um, like, a lot of value at the deadline yeah. and get, get him more. But he's still going to be a free agent next year. So it would only be a team that's... The only team that's going to pay top, top dollars is a team that is going to be competing this year like really right in it so or that would think they could re-sign it so i'm not sure i'm not yeah. sure. uh alex what do you think about that trade well regarding like the oladipo versus levert thing that just allowed them to get one more asset back i think because they got a second attached to oladipo so that just sort of increased the harden haul i guess yeah. and then i guess like if you're i i mean levert is pretty good but he's also like I mean, I think he's like as old or older than Julius Randle for whatever it's worth yet is still viewed as this like young <laughs> up and coming asset, um, probably because he came into the NBA later. But, you know, I, I think that he's, you know, maybe is topped out at this point. So maybe, you know, from Indiana's perspective, I understand it because they probably have pretty clear indications that Old Depot's out um, or was going to be out. So they're just like, well, we'll just turn him into another good player who's maybe at his peak, not as good as Old Depot, but, you know, we'll take it because uh, he's signed for longer so we can keep this core intact and, you know, have Sabonis, Brogdon, Levert for, you know, a good amount of time, make the playoffs a number of times. Maybe we get lucky and make it to the second round or the Eastern Conference Finals or something once, whatever. You know, for some teams, that's just valuable. I hope the Knicks reach that point at some point where they say, you know what, maybe just making the playoffs for a while is is just fun enough. Um instead of always kind of being like championship or bust. But um, at any rate, I think that was their rationale. Houston now, because they did a one-for-one -one trade for Oladipo as well, I'm fairly certain can move him anytime they want to. So they don't have to wait the 60 days or whatever to move him like you normally do after a player is traded. Um, I think they could just move him immediately for one or multiple players, picks, whatever. So that might be their strategy, just – show him off for a few games and then move him later on in the season as a rental to some team, which is fine. You know, that's a fine way to make more assets, you know, out of Harden. And overall the haul for Harden could end up being like, you know, by the time you move Oladipo, it could end up being like five first round picks and four pick swaps or whatever, which is like staggering. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so that's that. As far as like the Nets, I mean, it's a risk for sure. Um, I, I, I also have fit concerns. I don't know. I talked about this on Locked on Knicks last night. Like my co-host Gavin and I talked about it and he was like, is this like the most, like one of the most impressive assemblings of offensive talent on a single team in NBA history? And I was like, yes, but you know, 
out we started we got into a debate like he's he because he was like how far back do you have to go and he's talking all the way back to like oh is it like jerry west elgin baylor wilt chamberlain and i was like i don't think you have to go any further than like steph curry clay thompson kevin durant uh as far as you know three players that were that offensively talented on the same team and i was like but the difference between those three those two threesomes is like durant basically cancels out but when you look at like steph and clay versus Kyrie and harden Steph and Clay, the beauty of them, especially Steph, is that like Steph can have the ball in his hands, make plays for himself, make plays for others, but he's just as effective moving off the ball. And he's very okay with that role, you know, handing the ball off to a Draymond Green or something, or having Draymond bring it up the floor in some instances, even, and then relocating himself, you know, getting around off ball screens, um, you know, finding his shots that way. Whereas Kyrie and Harden, if you watch them throughout their careers, they, their bread and butter is bringing the ball down the court and initiating the offense and isolating and maybe finding some people out of that. But what are those two going to do, you know, when the situation is that, you know, Harden maybe has to now move off ball. Like, is he going to be able to do that? He probably hasn't had to do that since, you know, Oklahoma city, probably, mm -hmm. you know, I, he yields to no man on offense. Like, he is going to want the ball. Like he's already now disposed of Chris Paul, of Russell Westbrook, of who are some other guys that he's had Howard. on his team. Yeah. Howard. Yeah. Yeah. Howard. But I mean, that was different. Like I'm talking like other guys that needed the ball. So like, I guess it was just Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook, but he's literally just like cast them aside because it was like, Oh, it doesn't work with Chris Paul. Cause he needs the ball too. And then they get Russell Westbrook, which I don't, I don't know what he was expecting to happen there. But even Russell Westbrook, like one of the most stubborn players of this generation, you know, got forced into a situation where it was like, all right, Russ, well, you can't shoot the three. So I guess we'll just start having you make backdoor cuts baseline because that's like all that you can do with James Harden as your teammate. Like you're not you're not going to bring the ball down the floor most times unless he's not on the floor. So how is Kyrie Irving going to respond to that? How is James Harden going to respond to that? Um are you going to then, I guess, just relegate Kevin Durant, like one of the most talented offensive players on the planet, to like the Chris Bosh role? That just seems wrong. Uh, I don't know why you would do that. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of questions to be answered. I hope it, I hope for their sake that it works out for them. Because otherwise, I mean, if, if this whole experiment doesn't work this year and next, mm -hmm. you know, like especially I'm, I'm mostly looking at Kyrie Irving with his antics lately. I mean, if, if he start if he continues going AWOL, even with this, this fantastic, you know, core that they've put around him, these two other like literal MVPs that they've put next to him. Um, if he starts, you know, still doing the stuff that he's doing now, where he's just taking time off because, because he needed to go to a birthday sad party. about the state of the world or whatever. Um, you know, all these guys could be free agents next summer. So not, not mm -hmm. this coming 2021, but the 2022 summer. And Brooklyn could get left out in the cold by literally all three of these guys, potentially. So yeah. it's, a, it's a risk. It's certainly a risk. I guess we'll see how it all works out. They're all saying the right things about, you know, yeah. uh, Harden's like, I just want to win. And, you know, Durant, I don't know if he's really said anything. Kyrie Irving, nobody's heard from in like <laughs> three weeks. And nobody will hear from because he doesn't talk to the sheep or whatever in the media. Right. Um which is, you know, part of his job and one of his duties as a team leader, but we'll just leave that alone. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see, uh, but it's, it's a big risk for them. And it could be, I mean, those swaps and picks dating all the way out to like 2027 or whatever could mm -hmm. really come back to bite them in the ass. I mean, I don't know. Look at this. Uh, if you want to just for perspective, look at it. I mean, that's six years in the future. Just think about where the NBA was at as a whole in 2014, you know, mm -hmm. dynasties come and go like every two years now, you know, it's it, the Warriors were an anomaly. They had a run of like four years and that's more than pretty much any team has put together, you know, consecutively for years now and teams come and go from the top of the standings constantly, particularly ones that deal in this like star brokering, you know, the teams that, that deal in the sort of stuff that the Nets are dealing in right now are the ones that have, you know, very quick rises and then precipitous falls afterwards. Because once that star tandem breaks up, then it's all over with. You know, once LeBron decides to leave the Heat, the Heat are done.
for a mm-hmm. while until they, you know, reboot themselves. Once he leaves the Cavs, forget about it. They're cellar dwellers for another 10 years, whatever. Um, until I mean, another, shit, like, another star from Akron is born. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, shit, like, if you, really, if you think about it, like, what was six years ago would have been the 15-16 season. I mean, that was, like, Porzingis' rookie year. That was uh, Mello still on the team. Mm-hmm. They hadn't even gotten Noah and Rose yet. Like, just from a Knicks perspective, like, that's how much was different. And around the league, like, the Warriors were just coming off their first title six years ago. You know, it's it, it's crazy. It's crazy to think about. So I think it's kind of – it's a short-sighted move in many senses. Maybe it'll work out for them. But the reality was, was, like, for essentially the same type of title window, like what Toronto did with Kawhi, Mm-hmm. So for with Kawhi, it was only a one-year title window. With Brooklyn, it's a two-year title window. But they've set themselves up maybe for a potential similar situation, but with a lot more on the line because they traded a hell of a lot more for James Harden than than like Toronto traded for Kawhi. So it's it's a lot of big risks yeah. for them. Um, if they win a championship, maybe it's all worth it. But if they don't manage to win a championship and they don't manage to retain this core, it's going to go down as like one of the worst deals in NBA history. Probably Michael Rappaport's going to be really pissed if his beloved nets start turning into a dumpster fire. Yeah. That guy sucks. man. (laughs) The only thing he's like, I started to like him a little bit more with his like rants on Trump. He was, he's, I don't know if you Yeah, but it's all, I don't know. It's all performance. It is. It's all, that's all anything is with him. So, (laughs) whatever yeah and and he knows obviously the legendary stick men legendary stick men uh frankie um mm. what do you think of the trade what do i think of the trade i mean the closest equivalent i can come to is when me and the cats are jamming yeah there's only so much time for a solo you know right so you got too many soloists. Yeah, it's like, a problem. <laughs> like four soloists doesn't make a quartet. <laughs> right, I got you. Any any more? Uh, before we we're about to go, uh, could you pick up your saxophone and play something for us? Um, well, the saxophone needs to go to the shop, but uh, let me okay. dig around for my flute. <laughs> Banging his flute against the glass. So you tune it. That's yeah, what I've heard at least. That's true. Uh, that is correct, Alex. It's all tuned up now. All right. I will put this gently down on the ground. And back. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, I'll, I'll be thinking of that flute solo as as I put my head on the pillow tonight. Um, I just like uh, this. I like this like gorillas aesthetic you got going where you go behind, you know, a, a you know, you put you don't let people see while you're making your art. You know, you got to turn it off to play the instrument and then you come back. Then people can see. it's the nice, mm, nice thing. Yes. I, I like to keep it a purely uh, audio experience so the yeah. visuals don't distract from the beautiful music I'm making. Right. It's like a very, very like Kyrie Irving way of looking at things, very spiritual. Mm, yes, my third eye is pried so far open. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, hopefully all of our third eyes will be open for the rest of this year. Um, Alex, anything you want to plug before we get out of here? Uh, read the Strickland at the Strickland on Twitter, the strict.land, and uh, listen to Locked on Knicks, Locked on at Locked on Knicks on Twitter on every podcast platform that you can think of, mm-hmm. other than SoundCloud, but we're on all the rest. Yes, yeah, so that's it. I only listen to things on SoundCloud, so 
I, I'm out of luck. Uh, <laughs> John. Well, I'll send you to my mixtape then. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> John, anything? Uh, no, just reminded everyone we're almost out of this whole thing. Just, you know, yeah. keep keep sacrificing for the greater good. You know, wears a ma- means wearing a mask, staying at home, all that stuff. There's plenty of stuff to do at home. There right? is. I see. I see a bunch of board games behind you. Exactly. I'm. A, you know. Um, no, that's that's it. Let's let's all be let's all be good to each other, and you know, yeah. that, we can get through this. Yeah. Keep on trucking, Frankie. What do you want to plug? Um, I'm going to. Sorry, John, but I have to plug evil. Let's all be mean and <laughs> shitty to each other. Right. <laughs> Damn! I should kill have your neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> Steal from your neighbors, covet them, yeah. covet their goods. No, I I was just like, how do I follow up something so like perfectly peaceful as what John said? Something selfish and tell people where to see you. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, well, I'm going to do that too. Uh, TheArmoryComedy.com is where you can find out about a lot of great shows. So... Check that out, and I might even be in some of them. Yeah, definitely check that out. You could see, you could see and hear the smooth silence mm-hmm. of Frankie Smokes. I, of course, am at Larry the Athlete on all social media. You could follow and subscribe to Larry No Sports wherever you listen to podcasts. I guess maybe not SoundCloud. I don't know, uh, but definitely Apple and Spotify. May the rest of your days be days of thunder. Thank you. Mm-hmm.